0: Amen, amen. Amen. Hey, let's start with the riddle this morning, see if you can catch it. If somebody's already told you the answer, you're not allowed to play. Y'all still with me, yeah? All right, it can be found in your shoe, has around a thousand buds, and it can also start a fire. You know what it is? can be found in your shoe, has around a thousand buds, and can also start a fire. If you know what, shout it out. Yeah, it is the tongue. Guess what we're going to talk about this morning? Yeah, your tongue. Y'all listening say yeah? And uh, excited to be able to see that this morning. So opening your Bibles to James chapter 3. James is going to teach you and I how to actually use our tongues. And as you're kind of opening up James chapter 3, I'll let you know Marley, uh, who's in kindergarten now, she's our youngest daughter, came home from school this past week. They had read a book in their class entitled, How Full Is Your Bucket? And she was explaining to Krista about the book. She said in the book, you actually find that everybody has a bucket. And so she says, Mama, you got a bucket. Daddy's got a bucket. Garrison's got a bucket. Gavin's got a bucket. Maddie's got a bucket. Everybody in the world's got a bucket. Even everybody at church has a bucket. Y'all get the point so far? And then she says, now, when we say nice things, we actually fill up their buckets. But whenever we say mean things are not so happy things to people, we actually empty out their bucket. That's amazing. Right there at Wauqua Mountain, She's actually learning a principle that is taught to us in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21. Where the Bible does indeed say death and life are in the power of the tongue. And isn't it true how you speak to people can either build them up or it can actually tear them down. Matthew Henry says it like this. A man may do a great deal of good or a great deal of hurt both to others and to himself according to the use he makes of his tongue. And that is indeed a fact. Now, this past week, I was studying a very trusted resource entitled Wikipedia. And as I looked at this particular uh, Wikipedia, I discovered that during World War II, there was actually a push among the armies of America to make sure they watched their tongues. Matter of fact, they put up posters to encourage people to be careful what they said. And some of you may remember what the poster said, but here's what they read. Loose lips sink ships. Anybody remember those posters? I don't, but I saw them online. But those posters were out there really because they understood the power of the tongue. Now, Germany had some posters up as well. Their posters weren't as cool as ours, but they simply read, and I quote, shame on you, blabbermouth. I thought that was pretty funny. Now, James, 24-karat faith. He's already told us in chapter 1, if your faith is genuine, when you face trials, you will persevere. He tells us in James chapter 2 that if our faith is genuine, that we will not only say that we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, but we will actually show that belief in how we live. And now in James chapter 3, we're going to discover that how we use our tongues gives evidence of whether or not we have genuine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So James chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, stand with me if you will, in honor of God's word this morning, you've got it there in front of you, say yes. Yes. The Bible says, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bits into the horses' mouths so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so great and are driven by strong winds are still directed by the very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body, and sets on fire the course of our life, and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. And from the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out? From the same opening, both fresh and bitter water, can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh water. Well, Let's bow together. Father, we do thank you uh, for your word, and I would pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit you would help us to grow in our walks with you, understanding the importance of what we say and how we use our tongues. And God, we pray that our church body would be built up as a result of our study of this text. I also give you glory for the one who came last service to give her heart to Christ. And God, we pray that if there is anyone here this morning in this service who does not know you personally, that you would draw them to salvation. And we trust that you can do that as we lift up your son, Jesus. And it's in the name of Christ that we pray. And everybody say, Amen. So you go ahead and be seated this morning. What does James teach us about our tongues? What does James teach us? Five major truths. The very first thing that we notice is that not every tongue was meant to teach. Not every tongue was meant to teach. Look at your Bible again. Chapter 3, verse 1. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. Now, it is apparent that the envy position of many Jewish Christians in this day was the position of the teacher. However, the warning was that not everyone should jump to the podium and seek to teach. And the reasoning was very simple. Those who teach bear a great weight of responsibility before the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus will hold every person who teaches to a stricter judgment in that they will answer not only to what they have taught, but also for how they live so you think about that as a uh, preacher teacher I'm gonna stand before Jesus one day and receive a stricter judgment because I am up here right now preaching to you about how to use your tongue but also I would encourage you those of you who are community group leaders or grow group leaders uh, you are serving in such a capacity so as to receive a greater judgment in the days ahead now for those of us uh, who are teaching that should strike a little bit of weight And responsibility a little bit of fear as well, but I'd also encourage you to know that whenever we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ for judgment we will also receive great reward for the times where we were faithfully declaring what God's Word taught and we were seeking to faithfully live out what God's Word teaches. So it's not only a time uh, that could very well be fearsome but it could also be a time that would be very fruitful. Now James in this text was actually sending out a complaint that in the meetings of Christians there were too many who were given the freedom to teach. As a matter of fact, James's complaint was simply that too many believers were overly anxious to speak up and to show off. And so he says not every single tongue needs to be teaching. And that's true of every single fellowship. Not every person who raises their hand and desires to teach needs to be Teaching. So that's the first thing that we learn about our tongues. Not every tongue was meant to teach. Now here's the second thing. Our tongues give away our spiritual maturity. Our tongues give away our spiritual maturity. Now look at verse 2 in your Bible. He says, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, notice the word stumble there. It it means to trip up or to fall down. So what he's saying is that we all trip up. Every single one of us err. Every single one of us sin. We all fall down. But if a man does not trip up in his speech, he is giving evidence that he is perfect. Now, the word perfect, which James is using, is not perfect in the sense you and I use the term. But that word means to be complete or to be spiritually mature. So James is saying that if a man can keep his speech in check, he gives evidence that he can also keep his entire body in check. But on the flip side of that is if you can't control your tongue, you are giving evidence that you also cannot control your body, that you lack self-control. And as a result, you are displaying a lack of spiritual maturity. Now this morning, we could ask the very simple question, how does a person sin with their tongue? How do we trip up? How do we fall? And oftentimes when we mention this in a church setting, we often run to the sin of gossip. And gossip is indeed a sin, but there are many others and many other ways that we can sin with our tongue. There's slander, there's lying, there's critical speech, harsh words, insults, and even ridicule. Now as I was studying this text, Uh, What I did was kind of write out a list of seven questions that I would ask myself while I was studying uh, to see whether or not I had sinned with my tongue. And I'll tell you, I discovered right quick that I trip up many times, that I fall many times. So I put these seven questions for you as well to look into the mirror and see whether or not you are allowing your tongue to lead you to sin. So here goes the seven questions. Y'all ready for them? Say yes. Uh, Question number one, have I spread idle talk about someone's personal or private affairs with another? Have I spread idle talk about someone's personal or private affairs with another? In other words, have you started a sentence off going like this? Did you hear about so-and-so? Have you heard the news about what she did? Oh, let me tell you about what's going on with him. Y'all ever started a sentence off like that? Don't look spiritual, I know. That's gossip. Here goes the second question. Have I discredited another person's character with my words? This is slander. It's the act of devaluing or discrediting a person by what we say. In other words, we start sentences off like, well, he's a pretty good guy. But did you know? She seems nice, but but let me fill you in on the rest of the story. That's slander. Or how about this question, have I bent the truth about something? Have I told a lie? And you know, whenever we think about bending the truth, don't we often sometimes categorize our lies? Well, see, that was just a white lie, but indeed it's a lie before the Lord. Here's a question, am I quick to criticize people? That is, am I quick to find fault in others and actually discover that I'm always pointing out what I don't like about something someone has said or something that someone has done? Am I quick to criticize? Y'all out there say yes? You ever notice sometimes after church you might sit around and eat some chicken, but also eat some people up too? And just see her, what she was wearing, just see what he was doing? I didn't like that sermon. That preacher's so ugly. Somebody said amen. <laughs> and it's true, though. We're so quick to criticize and be negative. That's a sin. How about this? Is there someone I speak harshly to? Now, this could be a spouse, a child, a co-worker, or even someone you go to church with. Your remarks toward them are cutting and extremely sharp. Is there someone that I insult? I speak to them or about them in a way that tears them down. And then the seventh question, is there someone that I ridicule with a desire to make others laugh? Now if we can learn to keep our tongues in check, we would also be better able to keep our whole bodies in check. Our tongues give away our spiritual maturity. And that's what James is teaching. Now there's a third truth that James teaches. He's saying, don't underestimate the tongue. Don't underestimate the tongue. Look at verse 3 in your Bible. He says, if we put the bits into the horse's mouths so that they will obey us, we direct their whole body as well. Now let me share with you that I'm still not used to seeing horses walk around on the regular streets of Lula, Georgia. Are you all still with me? But they're out there. Matter of fact, when Chris and I first moved into the house, I remember walking right down Mallard View Way where two horses and a carriage. And a man was back there beating the horses to go forward. Are you all listening? And I called her over. What year are we in? I feel like it was a Back to the Future episode. you all with me? And I am stuck. We do have vehicles now. Did y'all park your horse outside? I'll give you right ride home. But it's amazing when you think about horses. I've learned a lot about horses since I've moved here. My children go to Waka Mountain Multiple Intelligences Center. And they have taught them about horses. They come home and tell us stuff about horses. I'm like, yeah, be kidding me. But if you think about the size of a horse, they put right into the horse's mouth a bit. And that is just a small tool who a person sitting on top of that horse can pull to the left or the right on that bit and actually steer the entire horse. And what James is saying is our mouths, our tongues, although very tiny, actually steer the whole course of our life. And then look at verse 4. He says, look at the ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder with the inclination of the pilot desires. So again, it's amazing to see the size of a rudder in comparison to the size of a ship. The rudder determines the direction of the ship. And so also, even though a very small member of the body, the tongue, it controls the direction of our entire bodies. And then notice verse 5. He says, so also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. And here we see the tongue has great capabilities. And it's true, the tongue can steer our lives toward a pleasant destination, or can actually steer our lives to the bottom of the sea. To allow our tongue any freedom is extremely dangerous. And I read this in my devotion this past week, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 27. He who restrains his words has knowledge. See, we should not underestimate the words that proceed out of our mouths. And remember, James is warning us already in chapter 1, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Do not underestimate the words that come out of your mouth. Here's a fourth truth. Our tongues can start uncontrollable troubles. Our tongues can start uncontrollable troubles. Look at verse five and six. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. And all of us have seen wildfires before, if not in person, indeed on television, especially those over in California. And like you, you may recall, seeing those wildfires, ravishing woods, and then sneaking up very closely to homes. I remember one time seeing a house burning down As a training exercise for the fire department, the fire was started with a single match. And with only a few minutes, the whole house was set ablaze. And we drove past that house while they were putting out the fire. But you could still feel the heat emanating from that home. And James here is saying, don't you know that your tongue is a fire too? Don't you see that? Matter of fact, it says contained within your tongue is an active entire universe of iniquity now how many of you even know a fire in a fireplace is great but once the flames get outside the fireplace so goes the entire house that's what James is teaching us that when the fire is inside of our mouths that's fine but whenever we allow it to go out it can burn the whole house down look at verse 6 in your bible the tongue is set among our members is that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. Don't you think about that? What we say can consume us. Consider how many people have lost their integrity over one statement. How many people have lost jobs because of something that they have said. Consider how many marriages have been destroyed simply because of words. Or how many fathers have no relationship with their sons because of something that was said. Or how many mothers have no relationship with their daughters because of something that was said? How many friendships have been destroyed all because of a statement? How many churches have gone up in flames because somebody said something negative and critical about another? A harsh word, a quick slanderous remark, a body comment, a passing statement of gossip, a word spoken in anger. What fires have been started and oh how they consume. In fact, you're in church this morning. I'm fired up you're here. Some of you know it all to be so true. As James says... Your tongue can set on fire the course of your whole life. Now it's interesting when you look at that word life in the Greek New Testament. It speaks of one's birth or one's lineage or one's existence. I want you to think about this and eyeball to eyeball. This is a challenge to you reminding you that what you say can actually set on fire an entire lineage in your family. How many families are on fire? Bitterness and unresolved conflict, family trees split down the middle, all because someone at some time said something that should not have been said, and their mouths, according to the book of James, were set on fire by hell. This tells me that when I speak, and when you speak, there may be some times when we allow a word to slip past our teeth. We open our mouths often even to the pits of hell and allow the flames of hell to set our tongue on fire and then we spew it out so others can hear. And it consumes uncontrollable fires. A lot of power in what we say. We must be very careful. Y'all ready for the fifth truth, say yes? Our tongues must be trained our tongues must be trained look at verse 7 in your bible he says for every species of beast and birds of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race and we all know this to be true it's amazing how a man can direct a line with a switch it's astonishing how a woman can demand a killer whale to jump up out of the water and the whale does just that We have seen individuals tame some of the most untamable animals, verse 8, but no one can tame the tongue. It is, check this out, a restless evil and full of deadly poison. The tongue, apart from the training of God's Spirit within the believer, is always awake, listen, always awake and always longing to speak evil. Like a rattlesnake, there is poison waiting to be spewed upon any and all who walk by. And Then verse 9, he says, speaking of our tongues still, With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. Now think about the pride that sits on the tip of our tongues. We use our tongue to give glory, praise, and worship to the Lord. But then we also use our tongues to cuss and to condemn those who are made in the image of the one we call Lord. Now you came to church this morning and you were singing your heart out a few moments ago. Some of you perhaps were singing with your tongue when mercy came running. But with that same tongue, this past week, you've used it to cuss your spouse. You've used it to condemn people that you work with. You've used that same tongue to tell perverted jokes at the workplace. And that's the tongue you now come and try to give praise and glory to Jesus with? James will say to you and I, from the same mouth come blessings and cursings. My brethren, this should not be. In other words, he's saying don't use your mouth to praise God in one hand, but then use your mouth to curse others in the other hand. If you are a follower of Jesus, you will want to guard your tongue so that you are using it to edify and to build others up. Paul writes those in Ephesus saying, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. But only such a word is good for edification that is building others up according to the need of the moment. So that, check this out, your tongue will give grace to those who hear. Do not, and I love this, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit resides within every single believer. The Holy Spirit is a person. And when you use your tongue to curse, condemn, to cut others up, you are grieving the Holy Spirit who resides within you. You are putting the spirit to the side and allowing the old man, the old fleshly nature to take control. And every single time that happens, listen, we are putting our tongues on the same level as hell. set many fires. Y'all out there say yeah? Now, can I tell you because we're living in a media age, That you may not necessarily have to speak it for a fire to start. But there's a lot of folks who love to be bold sitting behind a computer screen. Y'all all all right? People write stuff on Facebook that's cutting and ugly. I've even read Facebook comments that were speaking bad about other churches. I'm thinking, my good, that is a bold dude to talk junk about Jesus' bride. So so what I'm saying is, hey, listen, listen, don't just make sure you don't speak it, but also let me warn you, make sure you don't post it. Y'all look nervous. Y'all all right? They done started talking about Facebook. It got quiet up in here, didn't it? Verse 11 and 12, it's almost like James is just trying to make... He's like, listen, man, it, what's happening? doesn't even make sense. He says, does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh? Again, what is he saying? He's saying we can't allow out of our face to come cursing and blessing and honor to Christ. <laughs> We've got to tame our tongues. If we keep it all in its context, we're taming our tongues to actually love our neighbors as ourselves. Hey, hey, look at me! Eyeball to eyeball, y'all with me? Say yeah. I know y'all don't like me after this sermon. It'll be all right. Just don't criticize me. If we could replay in church every single thing you said this past week for everybody to hear, how would that go? Every comment you made to your wife, sir. What if we replayed it? Every comment you made to your husband, ma'am. What if we just press play? <laughs> I bet we'd have low crowds at church. Isn't it true though? Listen, we got a guard what comes out of our mouth. And you may be here today and thinking, "My word, I have royally blown this one." Well, listen, here's what you can do. I can give you some action steps, all right? Don't just listen and go out beat up. Let me encourage you now. So if you, if you feel like, man, the Lord's really speaking to my heart here, what do I need to do? Repent is step number one. Repent. That is go before God and say, I have sinned before you. I've been using my tongue to speak evil and ugly and cuss and act perverted. And I need you to forgive me, Lord Jesus. Repentance means you're going to stop doing it. And then you might need to make some amends. Is there somebody you need to write a letter to? Is there somebody you might need to visit or somebody you need to make a phone call to and tell them that you need their forgiveness? Are y'all out there saying yeah? Cause here's the deal. Everybody's good with telling the Lord, Lord, I am sorry. It's a, it's a different deal, though, when you got to go to somebody else, isn't it? But if it's genuine before the Lord, you'll be motivated to go to others. And then here's what we need to pray. And I'm going to encourage you to pray this over your life this week. Every morning. Here it is. Psalm 141, verse 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. You can pray that. Jot that down. Psalm 141, verse 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. ask that you would help all of us grow in the likeness of your son Jesus. And when we face these difficult passages that really do challenge us, Lord, we ask that we don't take them lightly. And we don't throw them to the side or pretend that they are not written for our instruction. But help us to apply its truth.